Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to enjoy inclusion on the list of the best podcasts to listen to. And that is because of the guests who join me to share their expertise. Today is no different. My guest today is Jonathan Soares. Jonathan has built a business no one thought was possible in the agency world. As founder and CEO of Agency Labs, Jonathan and his team of builders, doers, and makers have delivered more than 600 projects for IBM, Nestle, eBay, and more helping some of the world's leading agency teams achieve peace of mind in every aspect of technical production. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jonathan. Thank you for having me, Diane. Uh, I, I am thrilled to be having this conversation. My understanding is that you have what I will call a softer approach to selling than most startups have. So I'm wondering if you can share with the listeners what that approach is and why you've chosen to approach it this way. Sure. So my sales approach, um, I have to give credit to my dad for that. Uh, he was a sales manager for GE for um, over 35 years. And a, a lot of how I saw him interact with his clients and his approach to selling. So my approach to, to selling, um, when you look at most startups, uh, and I'm sure you, know, you get inundated in your inbox, um, but myself as a, a technology company, there are times where I'll get a startup that'll reach out to me every three days. 
Uh, and a big reason for that is uh, ag aggressive uh, sales quota targets that uh, are impressed upon uh, account executives and sales professionals. Uh, you have to quickly get to a yes or no. And I think in today's climate uh, where uh, selling is so vibrant and part of you know, every aspect of our daily lives, um, it becomes very intrusive to that uh, to some degree. So a lot of people, uh, oftentimes uh, will ignore a lot of that outreach if it's not done thoughtfully um, or empathetically to the person that you're actually trying to target. So my approach is a longer cycle, um, but I make up for that in highly targeted um, and also uh, a more volume-based approach to who I'm specifically going after. And that alleviates the gaps between I have to, you know, uh, find out, you know, 50, 100 leads in this, you know, week or month. Um, it offsets that that specific issue that most sales reps have to face. Okay, so I, this is why I wanted to have you on and have this conversation because I, I firmly believe that so many salespeople are um, approaching sales from a really bad angle. And I agree with you. I, I totally agree that it's because they are being given quotas and that don't make sense. And I think they're being told to sell a certain way that doesn't make sense. Um, and interestingly, my dad was a sales man um, for, he was a manufacturer's rep. And like you, I watched him with his clients and learned how to sell by watching him interact with his clients and the way that he did it. And it was more, they really trusted him. He was consultative. Uh, you, you know, he, he, really knew them and their business and what would be best for them. And they trusted that. So, you know, I, I, I'm with you a million percent on this whole, we've got to change the way we're doing this to, you know, really get it to work. Yeah. It's a churn and burn type approach that often creates a big disconnect and it works against your brand. Um, yeah. You're selling. Because the last thing you want is to annoy somebody to the point where they see your email and they want nothing to do with you. Um, that's you know fairly unfortunate. Most organizations don't realize the, the broader impact of an aggressive sales strategy. I, I so agree. That's so interesting that you say that. I, I completely agree. They really don't realize the impact it's having on their brand and their reputation and that they're, they are burning bridges and they are losing out on really what could be potential opportunities because of their approach, not because of their product or service. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why yeah. I'm in the conversational sales approach, you know, our, our sales cycles, typically uh, the outreach is in five to seven week intervals, uh, which if you think about it, if I'm going to email you, you know, the first of a month, and um, if I email you three days later, that's a big no-no. But if I email you three to four weeks later and say, hey, Diane, I emailed you about four weeks ago. I didn't hear a response. You know, I'd really love to connect. At that point, it lays a certain level of guilt on the recipient that, oh, my God, this person reached out a month ago. I didn't say anything. He's really thinking about you know, my schedule and not hounding me for a response. All of a sudden, it, it frames the mindset slightly differently. And then from there, you know, it might take, you know, probably two, three, four, five, even upwards of six or seven outreach cycles before you're either at a point where there's a, a pressing need that the, the timing of the outreach aligns, you know, with the gods. And someone's like, oh, I was just thinking about you. Let's have a conversation. 
or you just want to be top of mind. So when that happens, uh, that person knows that they've got someone they can reach out to. Okay, so so this is great. And so uh, what one of the things that I'm hearing is the timing really does play a role in selling. Is yeah. that right? Is, is that your your take on it as well? It does, especially um, in each industry. They they have their unique timing, I guess, mm -hmm. allotments. So my my previous life, I was in consumer products, and I built a brand nationally out of college. Um, and I had to do headquarter calls with all the major grocery retailers. And my sales cycle revolved around category reviews and category planning. So it made no sense for me to waste a category buyer's time off season. Um, I really had to get them where they were in mind to, uh, to you know, review new products. Um, and that made my sales outreach so much more effective. So again, it's very industry specific, but if you know your industry, you'll know when people are gonna be the most receptive to, to hearing what you have to say. Yeah, that's great. That is great. I think that's a really huge point. Okay, so um, talk to me some about, so is, would you call this social selling or is social selling something different in your estimation? <laughs> so I'm not a fan of cold calling and to overcompensate yeah. um, or to compensate for my, I guess, sentiment on cold calling, I use social selling instead. And social selling is a way to uh, create a warm or soft lead using social media. Um, leveraging platforms like Instagram, Twitter, uh, and especially LinkedIn. And a lot of it is about micro outreaches. You're liking someone's tweet, you're favoriting you know, a photo that they've shared, um, you might share uh, an article they posted on LinkedIn, you might view their profile. These are all ways that you know, someone can see engagement. So when you reach out to them, they'll say, hey, you know what? Uh, Jonathan was just looking at my profile last week. I know he liked something that I shared on XYZ topic. It creates, again, another layer of um, of outreach where you've already kind of softened the, the initial in introduction to that degree. And from there, it's just a matter of, you know, uh, a courteous and respectful follow-up. Okay. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, it's about creating connection and awareness so that when you do reach out to them, it's not as cold. Absolutely. Um, you want them yeah. to some kind of frame of mind. So, so for example, on LinkedIn, I love LinkedIn. I think it's one of the best tools for business owners of every size to either connect with people, um, find new talent, or even find prospective clients. Um, so for me, you know, look at something as simple as viewing someone's profile. The second I view your profile, you're going to get notified that, you know, Jonathan Soares viewed, you know, my profile. Um, there's a good chance that you're going to in turn look at my profile and read up on me. You know, who is this person? So now that I've looked at your profile, you've looked at mine, I can in turn take you and add you to a prospect list um, that's targeted to a specific, you know, demo. So let's say I'm, I'm going after creative directors at an agency. So I'll add you to my creative director list and have specific outreach that's targeted to, you know, our connection on social and also, you know, your specific creative skill set to make it seem that I'm actually, you know, thinking through, um, why I'm reaching out to you and I'm not really wasting your time. But there's already that full circle of, you know, I guess initial vetting that a prospect has done to do the sniff test and see if I'm actually worth connecting with or speaking to. Okay. 
Um, sorry, I'm taking notes. Sure. Another way to think about it too is like on the cold calling side, imagine cold calling someone literally out of the blue. They've never heard from you. They don't know about your product. Um, it's pure play cold call. You're getting someone off guard. They're apprehensive. They're tense. You have to walk them off the, you know, clicking and hanging up the phone or telling you off. Um, so the biggest step to doing that is, you know, creating some kind of medium. Some sales folks will, you know, send them an initial, you know, uh, letter or some kind of uh, a promotional piece of material or some kind of a trinket. Um, years ago, um, I tried one little little tactic where I took a box and I labeled it live lobsters. And, you know, obviously someone that's, they see a box that says live lobsters, they're going to open it because they don't want their food to spoil. And lo and behold, it was my product. And, you know, that buyer reached out to me and said, Hey, I would have never opened up your box, but um, you owe me a lobster, didn't you? <laughs> so, <laughs> before social selling existed, I had to find creative ways to stand out. Um, yeah. So the um, increase in innovation and technology has made the need for those types of, you know, older methods. Um, they've kind of become obsolete and there's more streamlined ways to do that now. Okay. All right. I want to take a quick sponsor break and then I, I want to follow up on this. Um, aspect of the conversation. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are The Power of Positive Coaching by Lee Kalan and Leading Loyalty by Lena Renee. So visit audibletrial.com slash business growth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Jonathan Soares about the secrets to social selling. So Jonathan, when you were talking about, um, I, I thought the, the LinkedIn thing was so interesting and so valuable. And when you were talking about it, a thought came into my mind that um, that sort of process is all well and good as long as you have quality, like backing it up. Yeah. So I think some people think they can fake it and they can, you know, go ahead and do these things. Uh, without having like their own content out there, without having something that when the prospect goes to check you out and look at your profile, they're seeing that there's actually a there there. Mm -hmm. Is that a fair statement? Yes and no. Um, okay. Of the mindset on, on content that we are over inundated with an abundance of content. Most people are skimming through their social feeds and not even reading articles. They're just commenting based yeah. on their images. So the likelihood of someone uh, actually clicking on something that you've shared or a newsletter or anything of that nature, it's very slim nowadays. Uh, mm. So a lot of it is more so about um, seeing at a high level, like what kind of content you're engaged with, you know, what your specialties are, what your tags are on LinkedIn, um, people that have recommended you, other connections, mutual connections are very important. So they can see who in their network um, may be able to vouch for you. Um, so I think on, on the content side, like, there, there's that. Um, on the targeted side, 
So there are great search features within LinkedIn. So LinkedIn Sales Navigator allows you to really get granular uh, in terms of how you're targeting a specific uh, lead or, or, or kind of segment of leads. So you can uh, filter by company size, you can filter by keyword, there's a Boolean search. So you can really narrow down um, by using, you know, and or not uh, those terms. So you can filter down specific profile keywords that you wanna remove from your search. Uh, again, the geography of where you're targeting. Um, I like micro-targeting, so looking at the major regions of LinkedIn and really focusing on specific titles and skill sets tied to um, specific company sizes. So I know, you know the type of lead I'm going after and how to craft that conversation. So it's almost like taking a, a volume approach but being extremely granular so that you're being thoughtful. A lot of people think volume that you're just gonna spam a, a bunch of people. But if you yeah. spend a lot of time to go through and filter out and vet those leads, um, they'll definitely pan out. There's two tools that I use to make that a more streamlined process because no one wants to sit on LinkedIn and click profile after profile. I mean, that would take you forever, which I used to yeah. do. That was my kind of pay my dues. I literally put you know tens of thousands of lead lists together all by hand, searching emails, validating my own emails. Um, so now I use uh, two primary tools. The first tool is called uh, eLink. Uh, it's eLink-pro.com, and that's an auto profile viewer. So I'm a lot that tool allows me to actually put in specific search criteria in auto view profiles. So it allows you to view up to 800 profiles a day um, to not uh, violate LinkedIn kind of terms of use. I usually do yeah. three to 400 views a day um, and okay. every other day. Um, and then from there, once I've viewed that specific person's profile, I'll use a tool called Lead IQ. And what Lead IQ does is uh, they'll actually scrape um, the uh, search results on LinkedIn and, and compile a prospect list. First name, last name, email address, title, company size, industry, profile link, um, industry category. I mean, you name it, it's a full-on prospect list. Uh, they actually validate your leads um, th through a database that, that they check. Um, my second step from there is using a tool called Bright Verify, and I will further verify and validate that those email addresses that are provided to me are, are accurate. Um, so I'm really taking that list and making sure that the quality of leads are um, as good as they can be. Uh, and then from there, it's into a, uh, a drip campaign using a, an email uh, solution, and um, you know, it's rinse and repeat. That's so interesting. Okay, and so when you're using that drip email campaign and then um, is there a point at which you're reaching out like by phone or are the people reaching out to you based on this process? So typically um, the conversion rate is very high um, just because of the sales, the, the, the sales approach. Um, we, we have incorporated um, phone outreach into that. Uh, usually on the third or fourth cycle, I like to, to cap you know, my outreach at around seven initiations. And then from there, it's bucketed into kind of more of a generic outreach. So for, our, for, for my industry, you know, I'm usually reaching out to agency owners, digital agency owners, um, creative directors, production managers. Um, so once you've reached out six or seven times, usually the, there's a good chance that they're busy, but they've seen the emails. So from there, they're lumped into kind of a, a monthly or quarterly follow-up of 
uh, recent launches, you know, software that we've developed or websites that we've built, um, just so they can see kind of the work that we're doing. And it's much more general to that degree, but we found a lot of success with that uh, because people want to see what you're working on. They might not necessarily want to talk to you. Oh, that's interesting. Do you, um, do you ever run into issues with emailing people who haven't opted in or is it because the email campaigns are less marketing and more direct? Like what's happening there? So it's a direct outreach. Uh, I okay. never do something like a MailChimp or Constant Contact. Um, okay. I think anytime someone gets an email, and if you look at the sender information, if there's like a weird or wonky extension there, like MailChimp dot whatever, people know it's spam. Yeah. The that I use, and there's a several of them out there, uh, but the one that we've used is called Mail MailShake, and okay. basically connects to your Gmail, and I can send emails directly from my Gmail. So it is a one-to-one -one email. It's not like we're sending you know, a bulk mailer, um, you know, these, these are personalized emails that touch upon the person's first name, their industry, their company. Um, and sometimes there's personal t uh, keywords that will include there as well uh, to further personalize the outreach. Okay. That's so interesting. How did you figure all this out? How did you, how did you find all of these tools? A lot of it was just trial and error. I mean, my yeah. last business, I loved growth hacking and social selling. Um, I mean, I was using MySpace before social media was even a thing to create a personality behind my brand. And then fast forward a number of years later, you know, people are like, oh, the social media thing, you can, you know, sell online. And, and I had just stumbled upon it and, and inherently done it. And I had hundreds of thousands of followers at that time in the MySpace days uh, before Facebook, you know, took over. But um, it, it's kind of segued and always been a part of uh, how I think about things because I'm always looking at more efficient ways to accomplish uh, certain tasks. I think in part, like that's like my ADHD, whereas I'm always overanalyzing and looking for the most efficient route um, to accomplish something. And uh, this stuff bodes well uh, into that kind of a mindset. That's so interesting. Because I think that's one of the things that trips people up is they're either thinking, wow, I'm going to have to do all of this manually and I don't even know where to begin or I don't know how to use this effectively. I don't know what tools and resources are out there. So I, I appreciate you sharing, you know, the ones that you're using. Um, are, are, do you have, um, is there a certain number of clients that you are looking to onboard in a year? You don't have to tell me like what the number is. I'm just wondering if it, it's a high number or like a lower number to try and equate this to, to you know, help the listeners with the different industries. Some I think need a pretty, they need to be adding a lot of clients to their base and others, you know, could have 10 and as long as they were ongoing and good, they wouldn't necessarily need more. So what's your story. Sure. So I'll give you a different size of the spectrum. So for me, okay. um, we need a smaller number of leads to close on an annual basis because our agencies are our biggest business development vehicle. So an agency will pitch a number of brands or companies, all types of digital work. They could do 10, 15 websites a year. Um, so one agency could represent 
three, five, 10 projects for us. So we make our volume um, by closing these agency partners. Um, the, the beauty of that model, but also the, the curse of it is that every agency is different in terms of their ebbs and flows. So we constantly have to keep backfilling um, our cycle. So we try and keep at least a pipeline of a million dollars worth of potential projects, RFPs in our pipeline, uh, just because of uh, the overall close rate. So there's certain times where you know, an agency will have bandwidth in-house and they'll do it internally. Um, they'll lose a pitch uh, or it's, uh, you know, for some other reason, um, they don't get the project. So those opportunity pipeline is really important for us. Now, if you're a, a software company uh, and let's say, you know, you're looking at subscription, um, sub subscription selling and your subscription might be $19 a month or, you know, uh, $100 a month, you have to have volume there to, to really build up, you know, your book of business and, you know, makes uh, some, a, I guess, you know, commission that's actually keeps you excited and interested. So that level is really why you see a lot of these, you know, uh, you know, expedited outreach because they're trying to close it and it's the volume approach where they're constantly focused on that. Now, if you're, you know, a smaller business owner, let's say you own a pizzeria or you own some other type of company, you know, you can use social selling uh, and a lot of it, it's just about visibility. It's not about talking to people. You know, let's say you're a pizzeria owner and you want to do a search within 10 miles of your geographic region. Um, you know, why is, you know, Joey's pizza looking at my LinkedIn profile all of a sudden, you know, you're thinking about having pizza on a Friday night you know, there's a good chance that, you know, uh, out of sight, out of mind, now you're in someone's mind, they're going to, you know, potentially reach out to you and, and order a pizza. So social selling isn't necessarily kind of a, a corporate approach or a higher end kind of a sales approach. Literally anyone can use it to increase, you know, visibility for, for what they're doing. Because these, you know, ads, you know, direct, I guess, you know, outreaches you can do on LinkedIn or sponsor types of campaigns people are inundated with them day in and day out. So you really have to find unique ways. I think depending on the industry, um, you know, volume is, is relative to, to what your overall objectives are. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I feel like on some level, what we're really talking about a lot is marketing because marketing is about exposure and awareness and timing and, you know, sort of creating that credibility factor of being around being consistent um, with being in front of someone. So when they're interested, when they're ready, <clears throat> when they want to reach out, we're there. We haven't sent them something and then dropped off the planet. At the same time, we're not inundating them with outreach, sort of a delicate balance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, do you use any other uh, tools like, social tools other than LinkedIn? I've used Instagram. Um, I've actually closed a couple projects thanks to Instagram, believe it or not. Um, and the, it wasn't necessarily my outreach on, on Instagram. It was the type of content that I was sharing. I tend to post oh. a lot about, you know, my family, my personal life on Instagram, because I want people to get a glimpse into who I am, you know, on a personal level, uh, not so much yeah. professionally. And I believe people want to deal or do business with people that they kind of can relate to uh, or they feel they can trust or that's honest. Yeah. That's why I, I kind of uh, like Instagram to, to that degree. Um, Twitter I use as well, but Twitter is usually me 
um, you know, complaining or, you know, <laughs> like my, 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 my perspectives that no one's probably listening to or paying attention because of the bajillions of tweets that are out there. So every social network has their own tool. And then, you know, Facebook, I don't really use for bit for business development. It's more so seeing my parents and, you know, my in-laws post, you know, wonky things and I have to message them about what they're posting. So. <laughs> So, so do you not use consider Facebook for it because you sell business to business or yeah. just because your, your Facebook has always been sort of a personal thing? My Facebook's always been personal. I've tried Facebook ads. They've always, in, in, in my opinion, um, they've been somewhat inaccurate. Uh, yeah. I, I uh, an Instagram campaign, um, which you've obviously, you know, you managed it through uh, Facebook's interface and I spent a hundred dollars and it's this video I did for a game we developed. And I got like 95,000 views in like five comments. And I started looking at the profiles of all those views and they were all fake profiles. And I would argue that there's a substantial amount of uh, traffic, unless you are selling really um, viral content or a viral type of a product, that a lot of the traffic that, that you're you know, spending with ad dollars uh, isn't necessarily uh, legitimate traffic or engagement. Wow, that's interesting. We don't spend any money on advertising for, for that reason. You I don't really? Success. I think it's a waste of money for business owners. I think Google advertising, like AdWords and like search marketing is, is definitely valuable, um, especially, you know, if you're looking at a, a local business. But in terms of, uh, you know, regular advertising, I would be very cautious with that just because you have to spend a lot to really warrant, you know, actionable exposure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. But now with Sales Navigator, you pay for that on LinkedIn. Yeah, it's like 70 bucks a month. Um, yeah, right. It's not huge. It's 70 right. bucks. And you figure all these tools, I think Lead IQ, uh, it's different tiers. It's like, you know, $100 or so. And then uh, eLink is 40 bucks. So $150, $200 a month in tools versus spending, you know, 5000 or $10,000 in advertising. My conversion yeah. And social selling is light years higher than conversion I've ever seen on advertising. Oh, that's really interesting. Huh. Okay. Um, so I, I really have found this absolutely fascinating. Is there anything you're doing that we haven't talked about that you think would be valuable for the listeners? I would just say to, to keep tabs uh, in Google frequently, um, different types of uh I guess technologies, you know, growth hacking is a great buzz term. Uh, go on product hunt. Uh, there's always new startups coming out with new software. We're in, in a, a world of productization. So look at software solutions to make your selling easier. Uh, and, and don't be afraid to, to try new things and, and experiment because things are coming out in blazing fast speed that are making sales professionals' lives uh, light years better. Yeah, boy, that, that is a, a great point. You have to be willing to try stuff and see what makes sense, you know, what works. And you, you can't, you can't uh, live in the 80s, right, or even the 90s. You got to come back, come up here into the 21st century and <laughs> do the things that are available to you here. Absolutely. Wow, that is great. Well, I really appreciate the information. Will you tell the listeners uh, how they can find you and what you've got going on, please? Sure. They can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Jonathan Soares. They can email me, jonathan at agencylabs.com. 
uh, or connect with me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm pretty reachable and I always respond. So feel free to say hi. That's awesome. Thank you. And listeners, thank you. I think you got some information here that we have not talked about before that uh, I know I'm going to, I took notes and I'm going to go, you know, be checking these things out as well. Always looking for new and better ways of doing things. I would also like to thank our sponsor. If you would like to get a free trial of audible.com as well as a free audiobook, please go to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up. As always, uh, remember to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.